looking at the third section of Psalm 46, we have said that Psalm 46 can be divided into three sections with uh, the little word Selah ending each of these sections. So this evening we are looking at from verses 8 through to 11. 8 to 11. Let me read it for you first. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought destructions in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Psalm is a psalm of encouragement when we go through different, different uh, testings, trials, uh, different issues in life where the psalmist tells us, hey guys, focus your attention on God. God is indeed our refuge. So don't give up. Continue to trust in him. We need to, in that sense of the term, reprogram our minds because the minds is a very uh, powerful tool. If we do not allow the Lord to control our minds, Satan can easily get uh, away into our minds because of the negative thinkings and the fears that we have. And as a result, we can lose our joy and we can also lose his presence in our lives. So a sanctified mind is what is really important. So how can we change our thinking or how can we focus our attention on the right truths when we go through different situations in life? Three important things that the psalmist gives us over here. Number one, he encourages us to look back, to look back on what God has done for us. When you look around at the world today, it may seem chaotic. When you look at your life today with different issues that you face, it may seem chaotic. It may seem as if God has abandoned his uh, throne in heaven. But remember, God never sits idly in heaven, a mere passive spectator of world events. He is never removed away from us. He is never off duty, as it were. He never abdicates his throne. He does not allow the world to run on its own course, not at all. He is ever on the throne, ever in control, ever active. This is why the psalmist tells us in this verse, verse 8, he says, hey, come see, come see, come see the works of the Lord. Come see what God has done, what God has done in the past, in history, and also what God has done in our lives even today. The God of today is indeed the God of yesterday as well. So if you want to know how God is going to help us during the times that we are going through in the present, then we only need to stop and look back. Stop and look back. If you notice again, the context of this psalm could well be during Hezekiah's time when King Sennacherib came against them and Hezekiah took that letter before the Lord and said, Lord, this is the situation. It's your problem, it's not mine. And he trusted in God and he said, emphasize this truth. God is indeed our help and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Here's the trouble, Lord. We give it over to you. And you know, the rest is history. How the angel of the Lord slew the Assyrians. Just one angel slew all of them, you know, overnight. So, 
The psalmist here is saying, hey, look back on history. Look back on what God has done for us. Maybe we look back at you know, church history. We look back at biblical history. We also look back on our own history of how God has been with us in the past. So when you look at the present and we wonder what's happening, when we look back and see what God has done for us, it becomes an encouragement for us to believe that the same God of yesterday is also going to be with us as well. Remember, time is the loving creation of God. God is the one who created time. Morning and evening was the first day. That's what the creation account says. But the great enemy of time and memory is Satan himself. Satan loves to trap our minds within the present calamity so that the present problem can be as if it's a big, big problem to us. You know? And as a result, if our eyes are not focused on God and our eyes and ears are focused on what Satan is trying to tell us, the present calamity will definitely loom large around us and we would definitely get knocked down. But we must view today's situation from what God has done for us in the past. And to look into the future to say, this is what God has done for me in the past. He's able to do for me right now as well. And he's also going to help me in the future. So whatever would happen in our lives, even if it has to end in death, it is only going to be not the end, but it is going to be an upgrade, if you were to say, to be with him in heaven, where we all ultimately want to be, isn't it? So whatever situation may come our way, even if it leads to death, we can still have the assurance that God who has been with me in the past is going to be with me now, is also going to be with me in the future and for all eternity. So that is why he starts off this section by saying, come see. The word that is used, the word that is used for uh, come in Hebrew actually means to walk. You know? So basically what the psalmist is saying, walk over here and see this. Take a careful look. The word behold means to observe something carefully, something that is very important, something that we need to fix our gaze upon. So the psalmist is saying, instead of allowing your mind and your thoughts to be filled with what is happening around you or in you, focus your mind and attention on what God has done for you in the past. Come and see. Come and have a great view, a great gaze. And then he say, come and see what? The works of the Lord. Remember the word that is used here is in plural. He is not saying the work of the Lord. He is speaking about the <coughs> works of the Lord. And if you notice, the Psalms are full of these expressions, isn't it? Psalm 66 and verse 5 tells us, Come and see the work of God, who is awesome in his deeds toward the sons of men. That's what Psalm 66 and verse 5 tells us. Oftentimes, we are preoccupied with what is taking place immediately in front of us. And as a result, we lose sight of what God has done for us in the past. So that is why the psalmist here is saying, stop and look back. Even this evening, that's a good practice, as, as we can do also at the end of every day, to look back on the day and see how God has been with us. 
instead of thinking, where were you, Lord? Look back on how God has been with us, how God has orchestrated the events in our lives each day and in our lives for his purpose and glory. So come and see the works of God, not just one, plenty, plenty that we can think back on. And definitely we can look back on how God brought us to himself, saved us and continues to nourish us and nurture us to walk in his ways. We can definitely look back on these, his workings and say, Lord, if you have done this for me, you are going to do this for me yet again. The second half of that verse says, come and see the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations, who has wrought desolations. What are the desolations? He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two, and he burns the chariots with fire. The word desolations means to lay waste, you know, basically to thoroughly destroy, thoroughly destroy. And again, this would be a picture of what another you know, angel did to the Assyrian army, thoroughly destroyed. He says, come and see what God has done. When God does his work, he always does a complete work. When God's people are threatened, God steps in to protect us. But remember, this is no guarantee that we would always be protected in terms of you know, our lives will be safe. Because remember, even in the scriptures, we have Stephen and James who were killed for the gospel. We also have John the Baptist who was killed for what he believed in and what he stood for. So it is no guarantee that our lives will be safe, but the assurance is that God is definitely going to be with us. And just as much as Jesus' life was also not saved, he also died, but he rose again. That gives us also the assurance that even if we die, we will definitely be rescued ultimately because we are going to spend eternity with him. So the scripture is saying, come and see what God has done. Come and see how he has totally destroyed the enemies and where in the earth in the earth, okay? So basically the psalmist is saying, yeah, nothing that is happening here on earth is happening by chance. God is the one who is in control. God's sovereign will cannot be thwarted by man, cannot be changed by man. What God has decided, it is going to come to pass upon the earth. So he says, come and see. Come and look at history and recognize this is actually his story. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 tells us that God is working all things after the counsel of his will. Everything is working according to his will. And Romans 8.28 encourages us to, to have the assurance that God is causing every detail of our lives to work together for are good. So he says, come and see what God has done. Come and see that he's in control of everything that's happening in history. Come and look at your own life. Pause for a moment and look at your own life and recognize that God is the one who is in charge. Nothing happens by chance. Everything is according to his perfect will. And then he moves on and says, he makes wars to cease. He makes wars to cease. These wars are speaking about the 
aggression of the enemy forces that surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And then he says that not only the wars have ceased, not only in Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth. So the psalmist is saying God is not only operative here in Jerusalem, God is not only operative here in the land of Israel, God is in that sense not a regional deity, he is not restricted to operations only in the Holy Land, he is not, oper- and, uh, he is not just in one locality, he cannot be lo- and, uh, kept in one, he is the one in charge of the whole earth. There is no place that lies outside the area of the Almighty. There is no place from which the power of God cannot be barred. There is no place where God is out of place. There is no place where God is out of place. Think for a moment. We may look at the world, non-believers may look at the world and say, where is God? What is happening in this world? But as believers, we can have the assurance as the psalmist is encouraging us this evening. Come and see what God is doing. Come and see what God has done. Come and see what God is going to do. What is he doing further? He says he breaks the bow. He breaks the bow. The bow was an instrument of war used by Israel's enemies. And this was ancient equipment. And what is the Lord saying over here? He's saying, I break the weapons of the enemy. I break the weapons of the enemy. And then he also tells us that he burns the chariots with fire. Burns the chariots with fire. All the weapons that they had, whether it was the chariots, whether it was the bow, God says, I am the one who is going to destroy that. And as the scripture says, no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Why? Because God is the one who breaks the power. The Satan may come with different, different you know, methods to trip us, knock us down. But if you are trusting in God, God is saying, I'm going to fight for you. I'm the one who is in charge. I will break the bow. I will burn the chariots with fire. Psalm 20 and verse 7 tells us, some boast in chariots, some boast in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord. So this evening we must ask ourselves, where is our trust based on? Is our trust based on what we have, the weapons that we have that we think will protect us? No, our trust has to be on God. Also, if you notice in Psalm 33, verses 16 and 17, it says, The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. God very clearly emphasizes constantly in his word, The Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hands. This is the assurance that we must constantly have. So ask yourself this evening, are you focusing on God? Are you on the Lord's side? Are you trusting Him or are you trusting in your resources? God says, hey, leave all that aside. Look back on who I am, what I have done for you in the past. That will give you strength to press on. That will help you not to just survive in this world, but to thrive in this world and to do what God has created you for. Secondly, he says, stop and see what God is doing now. Stop and see 
what God is knowing now. Verse 10, the verse that we will all be familiar with says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Actually, the actual translation should read as cease striving. Cease striving. It is like, you know, the, when a parent would tell two of the siblings who are fighting with one another, he says, stop it, you know, stop it. That is what God is telling us over here. It is more a word of a rebuke rather than a word to be quiet and still. So what the Lord is saying is, hey, when all this turmoil is happening outside, when the turmoils are maybe happening inside of you also, stop it. Don't allow those turmoils to become like a volcano erupting inside. Stop it. That's the rebuke that God is saying. He says, stop it. Cease striving. Stop all this turmoil that is going on inside of you. And a, a commentator says that be still is not in the first place comfort for the harassed, but a rebuke to a restless and a turbulent world. Quiet. Leave off. Be still, cease striving. That is the emphasis over here. And that's the message that he is giving. And he's saying, stop all that turmoil that you're going on inside of you. How do you stop that turmoil? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 tells us that remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. When will you be at rest? When will you be in a, have no turmoil inside of you? When you have seen who God is, when you have recognized that he is still on the throne, when you have seen his works of in the past and you know the same God is with you in the present, that will help the turmoil to cease. When the storm was in the sea, the disciples were panicking, even though Jesus was fast asleep, isn't it? Why were they panicking? Because they didn't realize that Jesus was still there with them. They woke up Jesus thinking that we are all going to drown. But Jesus was resting in the assurance that he is the one who is in control of the wind and the waves. So if the Lord Jesus is in the boat with us, he is there with us. The Lord's rebuke, if we are also like the disciples panicking, the Lord will say, stop it. Don't have that turmoil inside of you. Get that rest that I'm promising you. Enter into that rest. And we must ask ourselves constantly this question. Have we, you know, when we have, when we are faced with an issue in life, you know, do we have the calm assurance that God will look after it, that he will take care? How do we panic? If panic, you know, if we press the panic button at all times, something is wrong in our faith. But if we are able to put put our trust in God, and that's what the psalmist is encouraging us in this passage. Look back on what has done, what God has done. Stop for a moment, you know, and see the fact that God is still on the throne. That's what he's saying. Be still and do what? And know that I am God. That is the couplet together. Not just be still and relax, but be still. Stop that turmoil. Focus your attention on the fact that God is God. Know that I am God. Remember, the knowing over here is not obviously the head knowledge, isn't it? The heart knowledge. When God has taken you through the past experiences, that gives you the stamina and the stability to say, God is going to be there with me. 
that knowledge of experience is what is spoken of over here. If you have never gone through the tough situations in life, it may just be a theory to you. But God takes us through those tough situations so that we know that he is God. We know that he is God. Okay? We must be assured of this fact that when things happen to us, which seems to be out of the ordinary, which seems to be you know, uh, un unexpected, remember God is not taken aback. There is no panic in heaven. Hey, how did this happen to this person? No, no. God is still very much in charge. And that is what God is assuring us and telling us and saying, hey, stop it. Know that I am still in charge. Know that I am God. And then he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the nations. So he says, this is the result I am assuring you. You may look around at the world and think of what is going to happen now. Look at every nation in the world, chaos in all the nations of the world. What is going to happen now? But God says, no, I will be exalted among the nations. In no uncertain terms, God announces that he will be exalted over all the nations. When they decide to storm against Jerusalem, God is saying, all the nations will be gathered against Israel, against the city of Jerusalem, but I will be exalted among the nations. And that's why we are headed towards, isn't it? We are headed towards his coming. We are headed towards you know, all that God has said is going to happen. And part of that is what we are learning even this evening, where God says, all that is happening in the world is progressing towards this event of I will be exalted among the nations. And then he says, I will be exalted in the earth. Twice it is saying. Anytime in scripture, the same truth is mentioned twice, like Jesus when he speaks and says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, anything that happens twice, it means God wants to lay stress upon its importance. And that is what God wants to tell us this evening. Be still, stop your turmoil, know that I am in charge, know that everything that is happening is happening according to my plan. Know that what's happening in the world is all going to progress where I will be exalted. The story is told of Martin Luther when the Black Plague was sweeping through Germany. He became greatly discouraged by the mounting trials it created. He came to the breakfast table one morning with a very heavy heart. He looked up and saw his wife dressed in black as if she was going for a funeral. And Luther asked her, who died? His wife said, well, apparently God, the way you are acting. If we are also mourning, if we are also looking around, why, what, all those questions, you know, then it would be as if God has died. No, God has not died, isn't it? He is still very much in control. So that's the command that is given over here. It's a command word there, you know, be still, stop it. Know that I am God. Know that I am God. So let us stop in our striving and know that God is over the nations. God is over the, uh, the earth. He continues to be seated as the sovereign one. And he is the one who is going to come back again to take us to be with himself. And that should take us through whatever situations we come through in life. 
So the first lesson was look back. Second lesson was stop. Quit what you are doing. Quit that turmoil and see the fact that God is still on the throne. The third lesson is go ahead in the strength of the Lord. Go ahead in the strength of the Lord. It says the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The same verse is again repeated, isn't it? Why is it again repeated? Emphasis, you know. Now you have learned this lesson, so go ahead now. Go into the future recognizing that God is with us, the Lord of hosts. If one angel could cause so much damage, you know, to uh, the Assyrian army, one angel destroyed 185,000 Assyrians. And if the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angelic army himself is with us, what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? Remember, God is the one who is not only way up there, the sovereign one seated on the throne. He is also the one who is very much present with us, who is very much present with us. The word Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us. So if God is with us, if the Lord of hosts, the Yahweh God is with us, if the God of Jacob, the Elohim God is with us, if the triune God is with us, then we don't have to worry. Then we don't have to be in a turmoil because as John Knox, the great Scottish reformer said, one plus God makes a majority. One plus God makes a majority. So if God is with us, won't he look after us, whatever happens in our lives? The Lord of hosts, the commander-in-chief is with us. Holy Spirit of God, remember, is like the bodyguard who is on our side. The Lord of hosts, the commander-in-chief is with us. And then the scripture also teaches the God of Jacob, the God of Jacob. Jacob represents, yes, on one side, the trickster, but also on the other hand, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Lord says he will look after his children. He will look after his children. So the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, is our stronghold. The word stronghold means a, a high place a refuge, a secure height, okay? It is like a, a fortress of uh, protection, which is kept on a high mountain so that no enemy forces can come. And that's a stronghold that the enemy cannot penetrate whatsoever. And that's the assurance that God gives to us. And that is why at the end of that, the psalmist says, Selah, think about it. Think about it. If this God is with us, Look back, look into the future, and be assured, if this God is with us, then isn't God enough? If we have God, it is more than enough. Let me close with this illustration. Hannah Whithall Smith was one of the greatest devotional writers, and many of her works came from the emotional pain that she went through because of the loss of her children, the infidelities of her husband, and the loss of many of her close friends. And one of her greatest works is called Living Confidently in God's Love. And when she wrote it, she had been experiencing terrible pain and unanswered questions. She didn't know where to turn to or whom to seek for counsel. 
it seemed to her just as it seems to you and me that no one had ever been on the path that she was traveling. No one could possibly understand what she was experiencing. And these are the words that she used to express her feeling. She writes, there happened to be staying near me just then a few weeks, uh, for a few weeks, a lady who was considered to be a deeply spiritual Christian and to whom I had been told I should go for additional help to get through my trouble. So I summoned up my courage and one afternoon I went to see her. I poured out my troubles before her and I expected, of course, that she would take a deep interest in me and would be at great pains to do all she could to help me. She listened patiently, did not interrupt me. But when I finished my story and I paused, expecting her to respond in sympathy and consideration, she simply said, yes, all you say may be very true, but that in spite of it all, there is God. In spite of it all, there is God. I waited for a few minutes for her to say something else, but nothing came. And my friend, the teacher, had the air of having said all that was necessary, and I knew she was done. But I continued, you don't understand how very serious and perplexing my difficulties are. Oh, yes, I did, replied my friend. But then, as I tell you, there is God. I could not induce her to make one other answer. And this is all that she said. Yes, but there is God. And then she writes, at last a conviction burst upon me that he was really enough. My eyes were open to the fact of the absolute and utterly all-sufficiency of Almighty God. And that's my prayer for each of us this evening, that God will open up our eyes. When we go through different situations in life, if we have God, then it is, then it is enough. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.